You're listening to Once, episode 123, Think Lovely Thoughts. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so thankful to have you listening as we discuss this episode. Think lovely thoughts. I just, every time I say that, I feel like singing a little bit, like one of the songs from the (laughs) Peter Pan Disney movie. (laughs) No. I'm not going to. I feel like hitting myself in the forehead before I say that. (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> like the guy did in the oh. show. <laughs> Ooh, oh, Daniel. Ouch. Daniel. I'm not sure if anyone could hear that. Um, well, I could. <laughs> I could. That sounded like it hurt. <laughs> I said Every- I felt like it, but you actually did it. <laughs> Everyone, knuckle your forehead a little bit, and then you'll be able to think lovely thoughts. That's nice. <laughs> I love how they've been pulling so many titles from the Peter Pan story. Right. Quite a common fairy. Think lovely thoughts. Second start to the right, straight on till morning, all of this stuff. I I wonder if they're just like, okay, chapter two, what's a line from here? Line, line, line. Ah, here's one. Somehow I think they probably thought about it a little bit more than that. Yeah, <laughs> they are. But let's get into our discussion of this episode, starting with... Episode? Yeah. Because That's because it's about Rumpel. And we learned <laughs> how he was before he became the little imp. <laughs> but in this episode, starting with kind of enchanted force but basically the past events when we got to see rumple's dad in the town did you notice that he some of the mannerisms or some of the things he said were a little bit similar well, to what rumple says and the way he laughed <laughs> yeah definitely the way he laughed now we know where he kind of got that yeah i see a lot of rumple's impishness in his dad i think that's probably where i got it from but one of the things that stood out to me that he said right there in that first scene is I'll figure something out. I always do. And I remember Rumpelstiltskin saying stuff like this before, or even Regina completing something when Rumpel had said something about, I'll figure something out or or, I'll do something. And she said, you always do. Hmm. And cool to see some of those things that Rumpel picked up as as young as a child. But... Uh, from there, we learn... By the way, the father's name is Malcolm. That was in the press release. It's not in the credits for this episode, uh, but it is on TV.com. IMDb has it wrong, but... Uh, well, you know, that could well have been the name given to the character to avoid spoilers before yeah. production. That may not be his name. Well, I... Uh, yeah, possible. But I do remember... Although his name's not Peter. He only did that because of the doll. So I guess Malcolm's as good a name as any. Well, I do remember early on one of the spoilers that I'd heard and we actually discussed with Hunter Hathaway. One of those spoilers that I wish I didn't know as soon as I heard it was that Rumpel's father was being cast. Mm. And that was one of those things. Even when we discussed it, I said, oh, I wish I didn't know that. But (laughs) so even back then when they were talking about casting it was saying someone to play rumple's father i think was how they were phrasing that or maybe it was a character that they just knew would be rumple's father 
But uh, when Rempel's taken there to the spinsters, I I wonder a little bit about their connection, who they really are. And we've got some great feedback along with this in a little bit. But this is so much of a cowardly thing. Like, we don't quite see Malcolm be a coward in the sense of running away from war or being afraid to fight or any of those things like we saw Rumpel do. Malcolm's cowardice is a bit different, but he was still being quite a bit of a coward of deserting his son, just going to the bar, not looking for a job. All of these things that Malcolm has been doing through this episode that shows his cowardice in a different way. I thought that he said that he did try to get a job, but he said nobody would hire me. Well, that's what he said. and Nobody would hire him because nobody trusted him, but it doesn't say that he didn't try. He might have been saying, too, though, that nobody would hire him, so why try? Yeah, and the spinsters had said something about he's not looking for a job. He's just hanging out at the pub. How did they know that? Well, maybe they're going to town and seeing him there. They've got to get wool from somewhere, unless they have (laughs) sheep or goats or whatever, where they live. Why, they were weird. I liked them. I liked them, too. (laughs) (laughs) I do wonder if there's a bit more to the spinsters and who they might actually be. And here's a feedback that came in from Michael saying, do you think the spinsters who took in Jan Rumpel could be the fates? I know there are traditionally three fates, but they are usually associated with spinning. And they did seem to finish each other's sentences. If so, then it fits the motif of Rumpel spinning himself and also being a character who arranges and to some extent controls the lives of others through the course of hundreds of years. Interesting. Fates. Yeah, if you... Uh, just Google it and you'll find the stuff about the three fates. But it was neat to see him learning how to spin. Yeah. Yeah, I remember saying, I want to see more about Rumpel's past. And here it was. I liked that. And remember how he would say, spinning helps me to forget. I wonder if when he would spin, he re- would remember this growing up. With the spinsters, not remembering being abandoned and all of that, but growing up with the spinsters and how they took care of him and how they basically loved him as one of their own. They were so kind. And they actually reminded me of the fairies from Sleeping Beauty, actually, for some reason, because they lived in a cottage. They didn't spin, but for some reason, they just reminded me of those fairies. We got some similar feedback to that too and it's guess what our fellow co-host from our wonderland podcast aaron (laughs) sent this in hey guys it's aaron i have a quick bit of feedback to share for you for once podcast that is not really my own feedback although some of my ideas are in it as well i was talking to a co-worker at work today who loves the show and she had all these questions about the women who took rumple in as a little boy that was shown in this episode she questions um their motives, I guess, and thinks that it was bizarre that they would give him something that was, by his father's description, so valuable, being the magic bean. And we do kind of know from once that those beans are hard to come by, even though um, perhaps back in that time, since it was quite a long time ago, they were maybe not as as scarce. Um, But it is a little bit peculiar that they 
uh, gave that to him so freely for no reason when they didn't even really know him. I also wonder personally whether Rumpel, whether his dad had some dealing with them or some deal with them because it seems peculiar as well that they would just take in this little boy for nothing um, unless there was some relation. I was looking up whether there's any fairy tales that have uh, spin spinsters or whatever in them. And there is there is a grim fairy tale called The Three Spinsters. It's very similar to the Rumpelstiltskin tale in that there are is a girl who is going to marry the king and the queen, I think it is, leads her into these rooms and she has to spin all this stuff, but she's not very good at it. So she tricks the king or the queen and asks if her cousins who are spin, spinsters or spinners or whatever can come <laughs> to the wedding and um, it ends up that the cousins all have these very visible physical flaws due to spinning for for so much, spinning so much. And the king is asking them how they got it, or the prince, I guess, is asking them how they got these flaws. And they're saying that it's because they spin so much. So it ended up that he didn't have to, that the princess didn't have to do all of the spinning that the queen was expecting her to do. So it's kind of like Rumpelstiltskin a little bit, but um, very different. Um, the other thing is that these women kind of reminded me of the fairies in Sleeping Beauty that were like put away in the cabin, even though there's only two of them. I was thinking that perhaps the seer had some relation to them as well, but I don't know that that would work out with the timeline. I did just notice that the seer was in the flashback, not the flashback, sorry. The seer was in the previously on once preview, and I don't know that they've shown her very often before when they're talking about the prophecy, or at least recently. They have not been showing her. They've just been saying, showing Rumple saying, he'll be my undoing. So those were all the kind of thoughts that were going on and connecting with all of my coworkers that love the show as well. <laughs> so we wanted to share them. Thank you. Another thing about the spinsters possibly being fairies is that they'd have access to beans yeah because they're living in this little hovel how could they get that bean i don't know maybe they were saving it for a rainy day <laughs> maybe they grew them <laughs> but they also seem to know quite a bit about and definition of no could be in question here but quite a bit about rumple's future and his father in almost future telling way so i wonder if there's some kind of seers themselves or have some kind of ability and a fairy could be like that or maybe fates could be like that but i think those are some great ideas of who these could be but we haven't seen old fairies before true (laughs) so maybe they're not fairies maybe they don't age they have aged. <laughs> They're old. Dwarfs, well, I mean, maybe the fairies don't age. Old dwarfs are born <laughs> old looking. Well, there are no women dwarves, so that rules that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. But thank you, Aaron, for that feedback. So in this heartbreaking scene, when then young Rumpel goes and finds his dad in the town... One of the things I noticed about Malcolm and throughout this episode is that he really acts like he's never grown up. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I made note of that that I will mention later. And even, I mean, he's kind of stupid even for a child. He is. Let's be honest. He's very, he's just 
Yeah, I agree with like, that. Okay, I opened a portal. I don't even know if it's going somewhere real. Let's jump in, son. <laughs> <laughs> but we did hear some interesting things about Malcolm's history. A little bit surprising. What did he say about a blacksmith? His dad sold him to a blacksmith. I thought he said sold. He yeah. just said it so nonchalantly. He's probably over it. You know how blacksmiths hit things on the anvil? Maybe <laughs> his head got in the way more than once. Well, this reminds me of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, where we got to see in one of the episodes that one of the main characters was maybe sold to a blacksmith or something. He was taken from the gutter. Yeah. In um, by a blacksmith. Know. Oh, that oh, yeah, that's right. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> taken, not sold. Yes. Different. But also Malcolm instantly recognized the bean as being something very valuable. Yeah. So how common were these beans back then? How much did people know about these? For the spinsters to have one, who else has one? Who else knows about them? Well, maybe they were growing commonly <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And maybe um maybe the giants had no reason to hide them or keep them. Yeah, yet. that's true. This is probably at least 200 years before the whole incident with Tiny and uh, Jack, fake Jack. I mean, <laughs> female Jack, lady Jack. <laughs> fake Jack. <laughs> I was trying to remember what term did we come up with her? Yeah, lady Jack. That's... Lady. She's not a lady. She wasn't a lady. <laughs> Woman. <laughs> she was female. <laughs> she wasn't a lady. <laughs> I really, I thought it was really cool to see kind of, well, we saw... That the incident with Bay and Rumpelstiltskin was a repeat in history. Mm -hmm. Because it's exactly what Rumpelstiltskin did with his dad. They wanted a fresh start somewhere that nobody knew them. And So I wonder if this is why Rumpelstiltskin was so hesitant to go through the portal. I mean, I know he wanted power and he traded his son to get power. But... I wonder if this had anything to do with why he was so afraid of going through a portal with his son. Hmm. Probably tied in with that. And I heard there was some kind of deleted scene from one of the episodes. Jeremy, you'd brought this up before. Do you remember that? A deleted scene from one of the episodes where we did get to learn a bit more about Rumpel's history with the beanhole or just something was mentioned about magic beans, but they cut it. It's not even in the extras for the disc, but someone had referred to it. No, that was Kitsis and Horowitz had discussed in a podcast that there was going to be a scene of Rumpel's father leaving him. Oh, okay. But it did not get made. Oh, okay. You know, I kept I kept waiting to see Pan come and ruin Rubble Stiltskin's dad. I yeah. didn't I did it didn't happen the way I thought it would. So that was a cool surprise. I still kept feeling, speaking of that, like, Pan is still just very different from Malcolm, I guess, even though he should be the same person. Well, it is several hundred years later from this. And imagine he's been carrying the burden of giving his son up for years and years and years. Yeah, although the immediate reaction was different, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Between adult and pan age, whatever age that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just pan age. <laughs> but when Rumpel and 
I keep wanting to say Bay because it's a father and a son, so I keep thinking Rumpel and Bay. But when <laughs> Malcolm and Rumpel arrived on Neverland's shore, it's the same shore that Killian and his brother stepped foot on when they came to. They just Wonderland. have the one shore. it's the shore where everybody likes to come it's everybody's favorite shore but neverland are you sure (laughs) neverland is a place neverland is where the impossible is possible if you believe it so he's crazy he just acts crazy he's like giggling and hitting himself and he just acts so crazy yeah i really enjoyed that yeah i enjoyed watching him be crazy but it was a little bit, you know, I was afraid for young Rumpel for a little while there. <laughs> like, every time his dad got too close, I was like, ah. He's like, we made it to Neverland. My son just made cake appear out of thin air. But I can't fly. This is now the most important thing in the world. Yeah, pretty much. He's, <laughs> he's like, got a, he's got tunnel vision and like a one set, one track mindset. Yep, like a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Easily distracted. Yeah, they together they're acting like a bunch of kids, really. Yeah. And I wonder how the actor, uh, I can't remember his name at the moment, but I'll look it up while I'm talking about it. I wonder how the actor for Malcolm enjoyed this part, because that would have maybe <laughs> been fun for him to be having this fun, pretending to be a kid with a kid, and the way that then <laughs> that plays out in each of the scenes. He did a great job. Mm-hmm. He did a great job. Yeah, I think he really did. Stephen Lord is the actor, and he yeah, did great, seeming kind of crazy, kind of childish at different moments. But I want some of that cake. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he eat it? I don't know. Well, he just put it down. He licked his thumb. He did. He put it down. He didn't just put it down. He put it down carefully, and he didn't eat it. It just it felt like he was so much less careless even in that even as a child than his father the okay yeah he just conjured it but he doesn't take it for granted and he doesn't he's not just stupid he didn't just toss it over his shoulder or just take a big bite for no reason well having a dad like that probably brings that out like his dad's not very careful his dad's uh you know he's his his dad's reckless and wasteful and I, I've seen kids grow up with with um, parents not like this, but I mean, <laughs> their their parents are. I don't know. It just it makes them grow up a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like this. I like in our chat room right now. Regina's version of a rescue party. That's the name. Said, "Would you eat cake that just appeared?" <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that would be Steve. So, uh, Steve. He changes his name in the chat room to match oh, okay. whatever's going on <laughs> all the time. <laughs> when Rumpel and his dad go to get this pixie dust, we learned a little bit more about pixie dust. Stuff like when you believe in its power, it glows. Mm-hmm. Which, remember the first time we saw pixie dust, it was in a little case that Rumpel had, or not Rumpel, <laughs> I'm so used to calling people Tinkerbell? Rumpel, that Pan had... On his neck, that little bottle, when in the premiere episode of the third season, when Pan was with Henry, the dust was in that little bottle and it wasn't glowing. But when Henry opened it and started pouring it on and sprinkling it on himself, it did start glowing. So it makes me wonder how much of Pan's effect on things 
is because he's no longer believing. And that's mm-hmm. why he needs the heart of the truest believer. I don't think that's... Uh, he wants to stay in Neverland. So he believes in the place. And that's where he gets his power. Like, he can do anything. He's a little boy. And, well, he's a tall little boy. <laughs> but he's he can do anything because he believes in it. And he loves Neverland. And he doesn't want to leave. That's why he needs henry to keep him alive so i i don't know why the the dust didn't glow maybe it was because he didn't want it to yeah maybe that's it maybe he didn't want it to because you believe something and it happens in neverland but when as an adult here in the past when he did pull that pixie dust out of the flower in the tree it did glow right Mm -hmm. then so he was fully believing in its power yeah it's just he didn't belong plus it only glowed when he sprinkled it yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, true. I was afraid for him for a second. I was like, I know that pixie dust not, is not going to work. He's going to try and fly right now. He's going to fall and he's going to die. I just kept thinking, yeah, I kept thinking he was just going to die, which <laughs> wouldn't really have made sense since yeah. ch- generally children don't grow up thinking, my dad abandoned me, you know, by dying, <laughs> by falling out of a tree because he thought he could yeah. fly. Actually... He reminded me of a drug addict for quite a bit of this time. Mm. A little bit, yeah. Like, once you're flying high, kid, you'll understand. <laughs> and it was all he was thinking about. Yeah. Speaking of of pixie dust, though, and we know where it comes from now. It comes from yeah. flowers and stars. <laughs> I'm going to plant some flowers in some trees. Just saying. How are you going to plant some flowers in some trees? Well... <laughs> I believe I can. (laughs) Okay. I wonder if this is the only place where pixie dust comes from is Neverland. So so. nowhere else. I think so. That means then if the fairies had it back in the episode, quite a common fairy, if some of the fairies had it, then that would mean that the fairies can somehow travel between worlds or at least between our world and Neverland. They've got the whole flower portal hub thing. They can do that. <laughs> Rumpel's dad was all about fun and games, even before he was Peter Pan. Did you notice that? He made his living playing games with people, oh, tricking yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of cool to find out that the shadow is the sole inhabitant of Neverland. That stupid shadow. Do you think he's ever like showed up in people's dreams? I don't know. Or what do you think his function is there? Maybe just like the guardian of Neverland or the keeper of Neverland. What can he do? He's a shadow. Well, he could pick up the boy. He can transform into people. So what whose shadow he is? Maybe he's not anyone. And where? He had to come from somewhere. I wonder if we'll ever learn what Neverland's origin is. And where the shadow came from, because I'll bet you that the person who's connected with the origin is the person whose shadow that is. Interesting. Could be. Or it could be just somehow because time works differently in Neverland. This is supposed to be some place that has just kind of always existed. And therefore the shadow has just always been there. But he... Did they have some kind of chit chat while they were up there in the yeah, tree that they, they made this little deal? Yeah. Like, hey, I'll, I'll let my son leave the island if you'll let me stay. Rubble Stiltskin had enough time to work up a good cry. I think they had time to chit chat up there. <laughs> yeah. 
So then moving on to when he came down from the tree. A little bit behind his shoe. <laughs> or a spare shoe. That was his apparently. shoe. A spare shoe. <laughs> I saw um I saw his sock. It was a boot covering. It wasn't actually a shoe that he was wearing. What? I mean he was wearing like a slip on shoe and a boot covering Who sort of does thing. That? I don't oh. know. Costume people. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that. <laughs> it's like a fake boot. Now at least he could admit, admit that he was too weak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why he took Rumple to the spinsters in the first place. That is part of being a coward. Well, in a way, let me back up and say part of being brave is admitting your actual strength and admitting that you're weak. But the bravery comes in acknowledging that and still doing what needs to be done. He just believed he would never be different. Yeah. And couldn't be different. Yeah. So he wasn't willing to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Even though he fully could, he didn't feel capable. Yeah, going on to say things like, I was never meant to be your father. What a, <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. But Neverland is a place for children, and... He's definitely a prime candidate. Well, yeah. he wanted to stay so badly that the only way for him to stay was to become a child. Mm-hmm. And for that, he had to get rid of Rumple. Because Rumple being there, as he said, a child can't have a child. So Rumple being there, would he remind him of his age or remind yeah. him that he was actually a father? I kind of didn't like that whole thing. I think it was just, I don't know. It was at best shadow manipulation, at worst slight plot manipulation, just because clearly he did not forget about Rumple. He, he said later that he never forgot. And then he even invited Rumple as an adult to stay and so i'm going oh so a child can't have a child but now now the rev- a child can have an adult child <laughs> that's okay well and an adult do you keep Neverland. in mind that pan in present day pan did not say something about i'm your father and even looking back at all of the course the um conversations that Rumple and Pan have had in previous episodes. He never said, "I'm your father" or anything like that. And I know that's yeah, it would some have been a reveal. He, the yeah. very first thing he said after we found out was, "You mean my great grandson?" Well, the first thing he said was, "Hi, Laddie." Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> well, he said, "I'm pretty sure he said Laddie before," when addressing Rumple. Maybe I think we picked out one of the times when the way that he addressed rumple like that my main point there being that in order to have a great grandson you have to first have a son or a daughter so he's not he hasn't forgotten he's not completely unacknowledging it so i thought the whole conditional get rid of your son so you can be a child thing was a little weird isabel struggled or helped try and explain some of this issue of the belief and the previous communication that they've had back and forth. And also she's reckoned it together by basically pointing out these things that whenever Pan talks about Rumpel's father, it's always been in third person. And as if his father is some separate entity. Oh, that's true. And not saying anything like I did this. And maybe part of that, yeah, sure. It goes back to what I said earlier about the reveal thing, but part of it could also be that if Pan did say, I did this, then he would be believing that and he could no longer then be 
the child that he is hmm. now. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, it could make your head kind of spin a little bit. It's possible. Maybe that's how they will defeat him. Get him to admit that he's a father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because admitting that you're a great grandfather at, you know, some child age is not enough <laughs> to undo it. When Pan was made by the shadow or by belief or by something like that, well, Okay, do you think it was the shadow that did it? The shadow waved his hand at him and he changed. No. Well, I pointed at him for yeah. Rumpelstiltskin to watch. Uh, I think it was just part of the deal that was made. And and I think it was, I think it could be one or the other. Hmm. I think it be, could be belief. He had the whole green glow about him yeah. as if pixie dust was involved. I think that's just Neverland magic. And slash pan told- magic. Yeah, maybe. But he'd also still gotten some of the pixie dust and had some in his pocket. He gestured to it slightly when Rumpel had asked him whether he got the pixie dust. He gestured to his pocket just slightly. So he he had some. Maybe that's what he used then to transform and become young Peter Pan. And I wondered... When I first saw it, I wondered, did he recognize what had just happened or were his memories wiped or something? But then I realized it kind of looks like he's crying a little bit. Did it yeah. look that way to you? Oh, yeah. That's why I said it was... He looked different. Or he reacted different. Malcolm wasn't that broken up about it. And then Pan looked like he was crying to me. So I thought that was a little odd. Oh, it's that thing of... Even when you want to do something, sometimes it's still painful enough to do that it will make you cry, even though it's what you want to do or need to do or anything like that. Maybe that's what he was feeling is, I want to be this, and yeah, it's sad that I'm going to lose my son. So if then Pan then becomes basically the only inhabitant of the island, the shadow is somewhere around there, I think now it makes a little bit more sense when we look at the episode Good Form when Killian and his brother landed on the shore, remember I said something about the way that Pan said, no, I'm the only one, mm-hmm. seemed a little bit downcast. Maybe now it makes a bit more sense because this, that happened many years later, maybe 30 years later or so. And Pan has been the only one here for however long Neverland time that is. And he maybe didn't even have a way figured out a way yet that he could bring other people to Neverland and just felt so alone with all of this magical power. And possibly more to the point, it's basically the same way the shadow introduced himself. He said he was the sole inhabitant of the island. And if I may reach for a moment, I started to wonder how he was spelling soul because (laughs) Malcolm said he's a friend. He's part of the island and I forget once you're gone or whatever he said, he'll be part of me too. Yeah. And then next time we see him timeline wise, he's like, no, I'm the only one here. As though the shadow is a part of him. So a guest in the chat room was actually suggesting possibly something of sort of a possession. Yeah, I could see something like that going on that the shadow. Yeah. But yet the shadow is still running around. But silently and doing Pan's bidding, like we mentioned before. 
except at the end of this episode when the shadow explains things to Pan. So it's still, even then, early on, it was functioning as its own entity and oh. talking to Pan and ordering Pan a little bit. True, but maybe it just hadn't fully started controlling him or joined with him or whatever happened. Maybe. Yeah, there, there could be different things about that, but how terrifying it was probably for rumple than to be ripped away from his father from a monster <laughs> i like that he called it a monster and some of the sounds from the shadow were very similar to a similar dark shadow scary figure from another tv show <laughs> now that you say that i can totally see that i just looked at the subtitles for that section and when he says i am the sole inhabitant of neverland he does say s-o-l-e Oh, meaning only fine. But I do but like still. that idea because we saw that in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland where they were talking about a fairy and then it ended up being not the fairy that takes people across oh, yeah. water like F-E-R-R-Y, which is actually what the subtitle said. Then it changed to F-A-I-R-Y, like yeah. fairy, uh, godmother Sub- kind of fairy. Yeah, the subtitles have to be sort of reflective of what you're supposed to think when you hear the line. Yeah, because it certainly wouldn't read well if it was S-O-U-L. Right. The soul inhabitant, huh? Even if that's what they meant at all, it would have been way too obvious if it were in the subtitles. But I like that thinking of it, the shadow being the actual soul. I'm wondering what the shadow did with Rumble after he took him away. Did they say what he was going to do? Whenever um, Malcolm was telling him, about this transaction. Malcolm said, if I let you take, if I let him take you. I assume that the shadow just took him back to Enchanted Forest. Hmm. That's what I would think. Because the shadow can travel between worlds. So maybe that's how it happened. You think that's how he got back to the spinsters? Mm-hmm. The shadow express. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something... <laughs> Unless, I wonder what it feels like to be carried by a shadow. Let's not find out. <laughs> I don't want to find out either. Very dark and drafty. <laughs> but then back in... So he goes back with the spinsters, raised by the spinsters. Then I kept looking for clues that maybe he inherited that house. And while they may have recycled the actual building... It didn't look the layout the same as Rumpelstiltskin's house later. And certainly right. the outside, what we see from when the door opens, doesn't look the same. But I thought it would have been cool if that is the house he ended up living mm-hmm. in later on. So he apparently spun. Well, he did spin for Keens through, yeah. through Cora, that is. Yeah. <laughs> so then back to Neverland in this past timeline at Skull Rock with Pan in the Shadow. This place was actually created when Pan decided to stay. And I'm not sure Pan created it because he said, I created this place without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think it was created as a result of Pan's staying in Neverland because, like the Shadow said, it's not a place. For children to stay. It's a place for children to come in their dreams. It reminded me a little bit of when Emma 
did certain things inside of Storybrooke. Like when she put on that badge, it affected the town of Storybrooke with yeah. that earthquake. So that's what I'm thinking that happened to Neverland. It was affected. An, an uncontrollable consequence yeah. of an action. Yeah, like the price of magic. Mm-hmm. I, I love that he said, a giant skull? It's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> or it was always there because it's connected to the shadow and the shadow was using pan. Mm-hmm. It's very appropriate that it be a skull because when the magic runs out, then Pan dies. Yeah. And leaves behind his skull. <laughs> skull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered, uh, I kind of wondered if it was using the magic faster to have brought so many other people there to live. Maybe. Because they're all staying young. Well, it's probably one of those things that neverland is technically a dream world Mm -hmm. because everyone before has only traveled to neverland through their dreams Mm -hmm. Uh, malcolm was the first to try to stay and so so he got this big time limit and then he brings all the lost boys i don't know that's yeah so every time he's using magic basically he's using up more of the sand Mm-hmm. They're thinking that could explain Which, why certain things aren't happening that you might think Pan might use magic to control. Yeah. And you wouldn't uh, necessarily expect him to be wise about what he uses it on. So, sure, he's using up his life, but he's lonely. He's going to fly and he's going to bring people to live on the island. Why not? Hmm. He's going to do what he wants like he always did. Yeah. And. He many times used the phrase dying, and you think of someone who's dying in their final years. They're not out there riding water slides and swimming with the sea turtles and all of this stuff. They're not doing extremely crazy things. They're running out of energy, and they're holding on to what little they have left. I think that's what Pan is doing with his magic as he's, in a sense, grown older. Mm -hmm. But the shadow... Here's... Really interesting little trivia for you. The voice of the shadow, this guy. Neverland is a place for children to visit in their dreams. Not a place for them to live. You were the first to try and stay. And in doing so, you're breaking the rules. As odd of a character uh, as Marilyn Manson is, he has an interesting connection with Once Upon a Time that I found in researching some backstory here. Oh. He was temporarily engaged to Rose McGowan, who played young Cora in the Hmm. episode, The Miller's Daughter. Interesting. Back in 2001. They didn't go through with it and get married, but he was temporarily engaged with her. And I thought, oh, whoa, that's interesting trivia there. (laughs) It is interesting. I only figured out that he was the voice tonight. Uh, Honestly, I'm not thrilled about that. He's not really a person I like to spend too much time thinking about. Yeah, he's not. That's why I said he's an, a bit odd. He's uh, not quite a, night guy, a nice odd. guy. We're going to say beyond he, odd. But He uh, did a good job with the shadow's voice. He so. did. Yeah. But the yeah. other reason I was disappointed is because I thought the shadow's voice somehow sounded like Felix. And I kind of thought there might be an interesting connection there. But oh. apparently that's not true either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember how we first were thinking that maybe the shadow that was flying around was actually Felix's shadow <laughs> and then different people's shadows. But one of the things I'm thinking of looking in hindsight with all of this is Neverland 
has magic and Pan is using up the magic and his he's basically dying from the point that he became Pan. He was slowly dying. So then how does this tie in with the home office and the missions that he sent Greg and Tamara and probably people like them on to, quote, destroy magic? I wonder if it wasn't that they were destroying magic in those places, but that whatever kind of technology they were using was actually removing the magic and transferring it to Neverland. And that Pan was on a quest to try and find every piece of magic he could to absorb it little by little, giving him just a few more days, a few more days, a few more days. Storybrook, wow, lots of magic there. That'll give me another year of life. With the drug addict sort of (laughs) theory, not really theory, but like that he looked like a drug addict. Yeah. Kind of goes along with it. Yeah, just getting any little bit that he could to support his habit. Yeah. His bad habits. His nasty habit. <laughs> nasty habit of self-preservation. It's an interesting thought. It runs in the family for sure. <laughs> but I want to thank some people who help preserve us so we don't have to worry about self-preservation and our nasty habits. Oh, dear. David Newland and Dina81 have donated to support this episode of Once Podcast. We really appreciate your donations. They help run the podcast so much it's like we've got this giant hourglass somewhere of the money that helps pay for the podcast the website the server the forums the pictures all of this stuff the services that we need to run the podcast and it's like sometimes it's running out but you give us your heart of the truest believer and we don't use it for evil no we're not like peter pan we use it for good. We power the ma- magic island. We power the podcast. Why are you <laughs> saying it all like you're lying? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I just realized this is great metaphor, maybe. <laughs> but thank you so much, David and Dina, for sponsoring this episode of One's Podcast. We really appreciate it. And if anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. So let's move on to Neverland. Again. (laughs) But this time in the future, or in the present day. (laughs) Starts out with Henry and Pan at the Lost Boys camp, and Pan gives this moving speech. My brothers, tonight the dream of Neverland will awaken from its slumber. Tonight, the heart of the truest believer shall fulfill its destiny, and with it, our destiny. Tonight, Henry saves magic. Yeah! So he's basically lying to all of his lost boys there. Yeah. That, big... that sounds a lot better saying it that way than tonight I'm going to kill Henry and Henry's going to make me immortal. <laughs> and who knows what happens to all of you once I've absorbed all the magic. Well, Wendy knew what he was actually going to do. Yeah, but I'm thinking she knew because... She like uh Pan wanted to plant her there so that she could direct Rumblestiltskin and his whole posse to the Skull Rock so that Rumblestiltskin and his dad could meet once again. Mm-hmm. I would like to submit in evidence for Henry's gullibleness. I don't think it's exhibit A. I think we've had a lot of exhibits before this, but exhibit whatever Wendy's bed. 
Isn't that laying it on a little thick? She's got like a bed from a bedroom with blankets and stuff. And now not only does she have that, it's not in a cave anymore or a tree or whatever it was in before. It's just right there in the middle of the jungle, right by their camp. Why'd you move the sick girl, huh? She had a nice little room going on and now you moved her. Why? I think um, it's a charade, Henry. I Come think on. The whole room thing for her was kind of. To show Henry that Pan is actually doing everything he can for her. I guess, but why move her? Well, and she also said he wanted to keep me away from everyone else so they don't catch it. Yeah, that so doesn't matter. now he doesn't up. care. Yeah. Now it's like bringing the sick kid into the group of everyone you're trying to supposedly save. I guess that's in anticipation of, <laughs> of making her better very soon. Maybe that's it. Because otherwise it's like, Psst, Henry, he actually just took her out of a cage moments before you walked up. And put her on that bed to act sick again. Wake up, child. <laughs> He's a kid. He's kids a are kid. gullible. He's a kid. And Peter Pan's a man in a kid's body. <laughs> so he's very smart. He's a very ancient man with a child's mind. Yeah. And speaking of ancient men, <laughs> Rumple is the ancient man. Hey, that and then worked. Regina. <laughs> Is not an ancient man. Yeah. He's an ancient. Not really ancient. She's not ancient. She's not ancient. She's an anxious woman. She's anxious about <laughs> oh many things. But I noticed, remember in a couple episodes ago when they first found Tink, she was saying, I think it was just two episodes ago, she was saying, I'm not helping you unless you have an exit plan. And here Rumpel is so focused on, let's save Henry and we'll figure out an exit plan later. Yeah, that was kind of like, do you not know that you need an exit plan before you start planning? At the same time, Henry would have been better off running through the jungle looking for an escape plan than shoving his heart into Peter Pan and dying. <laughs> so a case could be made. But it was with good intention. I know, but still. <laughs> Maybe they should have worried about the escape plan later because they might have gotten to him sooner. You know, Pan told Henry that it wasn't going to be easy. So when they got to the cave, it suddenly became simple. I just need your heart. That's all. Well, so why didn't he just why didn't he think at that moment? That's not very hard. Where, where's the hard part? The hard part was the pain in it. Oh. Because Henry was in pain when he pulled his own heart. You could see the pain on his face. Mm. And okay. interestingly, Pan sort of enchanted his hand. He didn't just have it within himself to do that. Yeah, I guess he needed he needed Henry's heart at its strongest. And at his strongest meant having him believe that he was doing something for the good of Neverland. Yeah. That's... Like it was full of belief. Right. It was like feeding a pig, getting it ready for the slaughter. <laughs> believe this, Henry. Believe that, Henry. Yeah. Get all that belief in there. Yep. But when this group, Emma, Neil, Charming, Snow, you know, all of them meet up and Hook, by the way. We should come up with one Hook. long name that includes all of their well, names. Well, I was thinking the NL5 and the Evil 2. Well, those are nicknames. I just want to mash up their names. Oh. <laughs> I'll do that later. The Neville 2? No. The Neville 7? No, no. Whatever. <laughs> the Neverland 7, if we want to name all of them together. 
But when they all get back together in this surprise scene, there are so many people that don't recognize or know that Bay was the son of the Dark One. Tink was one of them. And with as much time as it seems that Tink and Neil, or Bay back then, probably spent together, he never said anything about that. He probably just continued that story of, my dad died, my parents died, I'm all alone, I'm an orphan. Yeah. And Tink probably had compassion on That's him because of that. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Um, was it just me or did Tink, when she figured out, when she heard that Robble Stiltskin is the dark one, was it just me or did she kind of avert her eyes and not want to look at Robble Stiltskin? Uh, she probably did. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she did because this is someone that the dark one legend to many people has been greatly feared. And maybe there's the possibility that the Dark One powers originally came from Neverland itself. Maybe the Shadow created the Dark One. I even wonder if maybe the Shadow created the Dark One in Enchanted Forest when uh, Rumpel's father, Malcolm, decided to stay. Maybe that was another consequence. Or is yeah. It, yeah. I mm. noticed that when Rumpelstiltskin was talking to Regina... Actually, just before they met up with the Neverland Five, that um, he was talking about placing Henry in Neil's arms and reuniting father and son. I just thought that was ironic because that was true on so many levels. Like Pan and Rumple would be re- reunited, Rumple and Bay would be reunited, and Bay and Henry would be reunited. So there are three different fathers and sons being re- reunited in this. In doing this. Everybody's getting re- reunited with people. <laughs> maybe Tinkerbell will get reunited with someone here. Maybe. You know, it's funny. Maybe because I've been believing that Rumple will get out of Pandora's box. I wasn't thinking of this as the fulfilling of the prophecy. As the undoing. I kind of hope not. But we do have a great theory on the Pandora's box, which we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, though. I have an idea. What if Pandora's box is going to leech him of, like, the dark oneness? When he comes out of Pandora's box, maybe he'll be, you know, void of evil, hmm. and Pandora's box will retain the evil. Because Bell said that it contains the darkest evil. So maybe it's like a evil sucker. Sucks all the evil. <laughs> I think we called it that in the initial reaction. <laughs> well, since you went there anyway, the feedback I was referring to <laughs> was from Keisha, who had said something very similar, that because it captures evil, what if when Rumpel pops out of it, however that happens, he's had all the evil removed. She, Rumpel in the box? Specifically, she said, <laughs> she said uh, so they said the box could trap the world's darkest evil. And right now, Rumpel's in it because he is evil. But what if the box can separate good from evil, trap the evil, and let the good out? It would be like his undoing because he wouldn't be the dark one anymore. Yeah. That wouldn't make sense. Yep. Maybe they turn the crank and he goes, do 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 And out he pops. <laughs> I do wonder, even when Rumpel is trying to defend himself and explain what he's doing and going to do here with the rest of the Neverland group. I still wonder, is that really what he was going to do this whole time? Yeah, it certainly seems like he's being honest 
and he's had this change of heart. But I still do wonder because we haven't gotten to see him to that point to see what did he actually do in that moment of truth. I but, believe him. Yeah. Now everyone knows the prophecy, though. So True. what is everyone else going to do about the prophecy and what they know about it? Well, I mean, I think they've been doing what they're going to do about it. And now he's kind of gone. And they're a little more concerned with Henry. Yeah. For the moment. I do like the Star Wars-like answer that Rumpel gave to Neil when he said, Peter Pan destroyed my father. And in Star Wars, that's what Obi-Wan Kenobi had said to Luke Skywalker, is that he said that Darth Vader just killed your father. And later on, we hear more of the truth of things, and it's that, well, in a manner of speaking, yes, he did kill your father because he completely changed. And so, sorry, again, Star Wars spoiler, but we gave that in the initial reactions. (laughs) Oh, Star Wars. When our Neverland team then approaches Pan's camp. Which is a spot in the jungle, but they went in the back. So good job, them. I don't know how you go in the back of a spot in the jungle, but that was cool that they did. Rumpel talked about knowing now, since he's been poisoned by Dreamshade, that somehow that, that gives him power to know how to make a potion from it. Like, I felt this, so now I, I know how to make the elixir to it. Maybe it's his blood. <laughs> Maybe he's just going to give him his blood. Oh, no. Now that Rumpelstiltskin's trapped. Right. Is he going to be able to heal David? Nope. No. Now that the magic is being absorbed, is David even still going to be healed on Neverland? (sighs) Or would he maybe not need to stay on Neverland now? Maybe the magic removed also Dreamshade's power. But it's not magic. It's poison. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What's keeping him from the. Physical poison is magic. So yeah, you remove the magic, the poison starts taking its effect again. They're probably not wanting it to us to start thinking that because magic might still work in Neverland, maybe. Or maybe it is uh, completely drained. I don't know. What if it'll take pixie dust? Because that seems pretty organic. <laughs> it doesn't seem magical. It just I mean, it, it is magical if you believe in it, but it, pixie dust, you know... Apart from its magic, seems pretty organic because it comes from flowers and the stars. And well, moonlight. Yeah, starlight, starlight makes it magical. Yeah. So, so it is still magical. So maybe <sighs> since pixie dust works everywhere, maybe that's what they can use. Or maybe they could use some good looks. You said no magic. <laughs> I agree. But I'm not walking in there with nothing but my good looks. Oh, I, on the other hand, here, in case your good looks fail you. <laughs> I love to hear you say that. Like, they're, they've definitely had some manly bonding. You know, climb, <laughs> climb a big mountain together and drink some water from the same stream. Actually, <laughs> actually no, I guess that didn't happen. No, I guess that was just, yeah. <laughs> But now just he's me like his brother. <laughs> hey, look, you and my brother, both poisoned. <laughs> Both cured, now don't die the same way as my brother. Yeah, Hook bought a drink for David. Whoa. Yeah, he got a drink. Yep. 
So I thought it was interesting that Wendy never found young Balefire like we thought she might have. Because mm-hmm. we were theorizing that maybe they lived in the cave together and she told him stories and they drew on the <laughs> wall together. But that didn't happen. Aww. But we were right that Wendy and her brothers tried to save Bay, and yeah. that's why they went to Neverland. Yep. yep. And the the working dynamic here is interesting because Wendy is under the impression that she has to do what Peter Pan says or else her brothers will die. Her brothers are under the impression that they have to do what Peter Pan says or else Wendy will die. So they're both being the bargaining chips for the other. And it's it all goes back to how much Pan is a manipulator of these people. But I think they're they're on to the truth now. Yeah. But it it was great to see the reunion between Neil and Wendy. And she didn't recognize him. I was glad to see that because Tink was all like, Bay. And she recognized him mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. But Wendy, who's that? And by yeah. the way, Tinkerbell did not pay him very much specific and special attention this week. So, yay! It's not a Tinkin uh, Balefire ship. <laughs> and, and it's not a Windy and Bay ship either. Well, Definitely. that would just be weird. Yeah, at this point, they're, yeah, the age difference. Unless is they leave weird. Neverland and she's like, whoa! <laughs> Except then she'd be like, she'd be like a granny or she'd be dead and decaying. Yeah. She'd be a skull. Yeah, Bellfire would definitely be robbing the nursery with Wendy. <laughs> or robbing the nursery home. Nursing what? home. Not oh, the nursing, nursing the nursery home is different. <laughs> yeah, the nursery home is different. <laughs> Robbing the nursery. Oh my gosh. Oh. She. Yeah, that would sting for her anyway because she'd miss everything between childhood and like the nursing home. But Wendy did know the full story of things. Maybe she's the only one who knows the full story. You know, I think that might be wrong. I think Felix knows the whole story, too, because he's the only lost boy that seems to be well-informed. Yeah. And he kind of said, dark one, kind of mockingly, like, I know your daddy. (laughs) He says everything kind of mockingly, though. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah, and we haven't seen Felix (laughs) in the past either. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was brought later. Yeah, when Peter Pan was the Pied Piper. We never saw Felix in any of that in the past. True. So maybe there's something else that Peter Pan found someone specifically, chose someone to work for him. Maybe it's another adult and he's like, here, be a kid. Hmm. But, you know, thinking back to that, when Peter Pan was the Pied Piper and gave Bay that choice to choose to go to Neverland or stay at home with his father. That choice is now so much more biting, recognizing the history that Pan and Rumpel have. Oh, yeah. Explain. Well, that Pan, or Malcolm, wanted to stay in Neverland, and he gave up his son so that he could stay. He made that choice to stay. It was that important to him that he would sacrifice his relationship. So then when he presents that a similar choice to Bay. Bay, you can either come to Neverland and sacrifice your relationship, or you can stay here in your relationship and what seems like a broken relationship where your father is going to abandon you and blah, 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 all of this. It, it, some of that's just rubbing Rumpel's face in 
some things and just taunting Rumpel even more. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, hey, so I chose to get rid of you and stay there. Now let's see, maybe your son wants to come stay with me instead of you and leave you as well for Neverland. Mm-hmm. It's not good family behavior, folks. Then Pan takes Henry to Skull Rock and a cool-looking place. I love the music, by the way, as and throughout this episode, but the way that Mark Isham wrote this music to be so driving and like just like uh, uh, <laughs> but I I mean not quite like that, but <laughs> The way the music drives this episode is so great and helps add to its epicness, especially this part where Pan and Henry get to Skull Rock. I don't like this evil, selfish version of Pan. Like, they're really bending the Pan story, but I do give them props for creativity. Because I guess you can still say that Pan never really grew up, because he was kind of like a man boy. Yeah, he was always kind of a brat. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the Disney version. Yeah. I don't like that he didn't come to Neverland as a boy either. Like he was made into a boy and he became Peter Pan. Well, yeah, and this goes back to how maybe the fairy tales that we know, yeah. not just the They're Disney version. They're taking versions. artistic liberty. Yeah, they are. It's awesome to watch, but it's just, it's it's totally like, I don't know, it's rubbing my... It's it's rubbing my understanding of the of the fairy tale wrong. I just don't like it because <laughs> I like to admire Peter Pan. I like to I like the good feelings I have associated with Peter Pan, and now they're being replaced with bad feelings. Like he's evil and he's selfish, and he was a grown up one po- at one point, and he did awful things, and it's just it feels weird. Maybe his being a grown up will make it seem less savage when they finally kill him well i wonder if they're going to leave the stories like this or if there's going to be some kind of reset at some point i don't think there will be a reset because they're using these characters they're using the common story (gasps) elements you mean like like some some huge event in like the future that will make every story that they've told here in this show revert to the the uh, the versions that we already know, right? I don't think they're going to do that. Like and they're I... gonna pluck Rumpelstiltskin from every story <laughs> that he's been in, and they're gonna pluck the evil queen, and then they'll just be of their own stories. That would be awesome to see. Actually, I would no. not want to see that because that to me is equivalent to the waking up and discovering it was all just a dream. No, but mechanic. seeing how they got there and and mechanism <laughs> and watching these stories unfold and fall apart because they were. They were tampered with somehow and then fixing it all. Hmm. And it's all just right back to the way we already know. We used to think that, remember, when the show first started and we would see Rumpel in every story. We're like, he's going around and ruining everything. He is. He killed a fairy. He killed killed Cinderella's fairy godmother. That was just not right. We thought he was contaminating everything and <laughs> yeah. changing the happy ending. Touching everything and tainting it. Well, it's one of those things like they say that the victors of battle get to write the history books. And how the history is written and how the story is told makes things either sound like a great story or a sad story. So I think the idea here is that this is supposed to be what really happened, but then... 
the stories that we know come from this and are inspired by this, but people decided to make it into a more pleasant story. Like so many of the fairy tales that we know from Disney versions have a rather nasty, ugly ending in their actual fairy tale story uh, versions that the Graham Grimm brothers collected. Mm -hmm. But then when our Neverland seven team or not the full seven, but when some of them get to the skull rock and start using (laughs) bringing an eclipse on the moon (laughs) in order to hide their shadows that was a little silly to me you you can take away the appearance of a shadow but you're gonna have a shadow unless you cut it off unless the moon is somehow not that you can cut it off in real life but (laughs) on the show you can unless the moon is somehow a magical light source so it's not just casting simple shadows and like the light that's in the rooms casting a shadow maybe it's not uh, that simple of a thing but it's more complex of know. maybe in this show a shadow is kind of representation representation of a soul like yeah it's, it's what you can see like there's but, my soul well on i the think ground. so in some way <laughs> that the moon because the light from the moon is a magical light source that maybe it's then mm. partially splitting people from their souls or whatever oh they're, they're more attached more soul-like shadows and that's why they have to block the moon and not just douse everything i think i think this was working not because not because um not because the moon had any sort of power over their shadows or anything i think it worked because they believed in it and and um neverland has run on belief i'm just waiting for them to wake up and find their power and simply believing in things or if they can because they're adults so can can adults make cake appear in their hands like kids can or is it difficult for them do the same rules apply to adults Hmm. here as they do to children or are they are they still working with like the rules that they know as adults it, outside of Neverland? Yeah, it's probably those rules because we never saw Malcolm make a cake. We never saw him fly. He could only do certain things if he was a child. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, those are good theories, at least the one, the moon theory. But Emma said it kind of like. This is something we all know from our entire lives, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I like, have a the shadow. The was making our shadows, right? <laughs> like, also the big flames. So yeah. any source of light. Any source of light casts really, a shadow, silly woman. They had to cover every shadow. I mean, every light source and then sort of feel their way around <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. Until they went through the field and then release it all. They're like, yeah. ha, got through. Yep. But we can't see. There was this annoying little section where Pan moved Henry to behind the hourglass (laughs) and then goes in front of the hourglass, talks to Rumpel, puts him in the box. And the next thing we see is Henry is in front of the hourglass. Well, he put him behind a rock and clearly that cave has no echo. And Henry really, when he gets sat on a rock by himself, he probably just sticks his fingers in his ears and sings (laughs) because he didn't hear anything that was said in the cave with him. But that could also be Pan's magic to make him not hear. But what hits me is I feel like there's probably some scene that they had to cut out and they had no choice but to cut it out to explain how Henry got from behind the rock while Rumpel and Pan were talking in front of the hourglass to then Henry was in front of the hourglass, right where Pan and Rumpel were when Pan walks up to him. There was probably some switching around 
that happened, I and they Henry had to cut things. Stood up and walked. <laughs> I basically assumed Pan said, "Okay, I did whatever it was I needed to do that you can't know about," which was basically <laughs> scratching in the dirt. As far as you're concerned, young man, come over here. And let's save magic. (laughs) And this kind of stuff has to happen, seeming continuity errors like this. I think this can be explained by they had to cut some scenes. This can be explained by writers on TV typically think that when two characters need to speak privately, all they have to do is walk six (laughs) feet away. Out of sight, out of mind. They they were just thinking that we would forget about Henry. So you're smarter (laughs) than... We all know Henry (laughs) is deaf and reads lips. So Uh if we stick Henry over here behind this rock then everything's fine. <laughs> I want to know, how did Pan plan to make a fresh start with Rumpelstiltskin? Or was that just a big lie? I don't know. Because the, the whole deal for him becoming Pan was that his son be taken. So how how on earth did they plan? Like, how did he plan on this happening? Well, I do think that the way he planned for that to happen was not just as things were, but he was banking on the fact that he would get the heart of the truest believer. And if he did, he would be immortal, all-powerful in Neverland, and therefore having his son with him and being father-son relationship or maybe buddy-buddy as both kids, if that's what he turned the clock backwards or something, but being together would no longer affect how his magic couldn't be used or how affect his belief in any way i I think it was genuine just like uh hook offering bay a chance to stay Mm. yeah yeah that's true and i did wonder during this pan and rumple confrontation i did wonder does or is there some small part of rumple that actually wants to save pan because why not just think sneak so. up and open the box and capture him? Instead, uh, they talk. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Pan knew that Rumpel was coming, so he couldn't really just sneak up. But Rumpel did say, you're nothing but a coward to me. But yet Pan brings out the point, if that were true, I'd already be in that box. Oh, but I, how, I don't understand. Why would, why would Pan's being a coward put him in a box? Well, I think it was maybe a... I was slightly confused by that, It too. seemed like a really bad segue. <laughs> I think I think he, they were trying to say what Daniel's saying, that if that were true, Rumpel would have just walked up and put him in the box without talking to him first. Yeah, it's like maybe Rumpel wanted to give him a chance. Or maybe Rumpel just wanted to say some things or ask some things before he took the action. Of putting Pan in the box. How did Pan know that Rumple traded Bay for the power of a dagger? Pan has been watching all kinds of things. How does he watch this stuff? I don't know. Maybe it's the shadow. Well, we do know that Pan can travel from Neverland to Enchanted Forest because he's done that before to get the Lost Boys. Yeah. And the shadow can go back and forth between any world, it seems. Maybe Pan can as well. So he's been watching all of these things and, yeah, seeing all of these things like Pan and, and I mean, uh, Rumpel. He's very much up Bay, to speed. Evil Queen, the curse being broken, all of this stuff. Yeah, he, he knows what's going on. And maybe some of that is this whole home office team that's out there reporting back in some way. But I still wonder, when did Pan switch the boxes? I know. That's weird. I don't. I, I can imagine that because... 
He can make things happen just by believing it. He sounded like it was sleight of hands at some point, though. Yeah, because he said, follow the lady, which is the game that Malcolm would play with people, where it was all a matter of sleight of hand. I think it had everything to do with, I mean, I, I don't think he took the box at any point. I think it had everything to do with believing it and it happening. Like, I believe that the box in Stiltskin's hand is a decoy and I have the real box in my hand. Poof, there it is. Oh. And it's so. Okay, yeah, I could see that. So he did the believing for both of them, kind of. Well, we kind of talked about it in the initial reaction. The believing it, for both of them? It sounded like he created the fake by believing it, because that was all he referenced in, or all he mentioned in reference to believing. And he mentioned the card trick for switching them. I think that was just, I think that was just, you know making reference to his past to make it seem more real to us that he is, in fact, Rumpelstiltskin's dad. It's possible. Well, the the thing with the switching, I think, now, if he did the believing for both of them in the sense that he believed that what Rumpel had was a fake and he believed that he had the real one, that makes more sense now when he said something about um, all you have to do is to think of something and you have it, even something fake— because Rumpel certainly wasn't thinking of something fake, unless this box the whole time has been a fake. I don't think so. I don't think it's been a fake the whole time. I think I think this kind of magic is <laughs> like it explains a lot, which is annoying because they could use it in a lot of different areas, and it could explain anything. So it's not hard to. It's just annoying magic because <laughs> it's like, oh, I just thought about it and there it just it just happened because I thought about it. And by the way, just as a little side trip on a possible thought, the lady could actually be one of the ladies. Perhaps Tinkerbell. Or, uh, or a third spinster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a third spinster who got close enough to switch the boxes. <laughs> Well, without anyone noticing. Or the lady could have been Regina, even. Well, I don't think so. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I know. I'm not so sure the Tinkerbell theory does either, but well, it makes more sense than the Regina. I did wonder if maybe the box could be opened and closed different directions. Because Rumpel waved his hand over the box counterclockwise both times. And he knew what he was doing. But when... When Peter Pan waved his hand over it, it was just more like a swipe over it. It has no circular direction. I don't think that it has necessarily multiple gestures. I think <laughs> that they just have to be intentional about it. I'm sure you can release stuff. It wouldn't be much of a Pandora's box if you couldn't release terrible things. I think it, it requires magic because, I mean, if you just open the box and there's no control over who goes in and what comes out, then, I mean, you have to, like the beans, you have to direct your thoughts. I mean, I think it has to be open with magic. Yeah. But I do wonder, what was it that Rumpelstiltskin was thinking he would have to do that would cost his life in order to defeat Pan and save Henry? Well, I don't know. He didn't 
take the box with him. He didn't pack for the trip. Right. So. He was never thinking of the box in the first place. So what would that thing have been? And that's not a question we can really answer, but it is just something I'm wondering. Hmm. That's a good question. So how did Pan learn magic and spells? Probably just knew it. Kind of like the dark one. When he became the dark one, he just knew how to do these things. He had the power. Regina had to learn the spells. But the thing is, he wanted to stay young and he wanted to be able to fly and he wanted to be able to do anything. But spells are different. You have to know spells. Mm. How did he know spells? Well, you know what else is interesting? We talked before about how Regina described him as though she'd met him before. And when he saw her, he was kind of like, evil queen. (laughs) Kind of like, you again. Hmm. I don't know. They might have some history that we might see someday. Really, the way it's written, there's enough there that they could at some point tell us of a history. Or they could not. It doesn't really matter. But I think it really all goes back to belief. That because Neverland is a place where belief runs wild... And you believe something and you have it. Mm-hmm. That's what's powering Pan's belief is, or Pan's power is that he just believes these things. And, and that's how he does it. So he doesn't have to cast a spell. He doesn't have to do these things in the same way that the other people have to. He can just believe it and it happens. Yeah. I wonder if the Lost Boys know that they have that power too. Or, or if Pan's they? just been keeping them in the dark dancing or been like kind of restricting them and saying you can't do this unless i say you can because he gave permission to henry put the idea in henry's idea to make the stick sword and the other kid he he just had his spear well but then again what if they need his permission to use neverland's magic maybe or maybe they just don't believe enough could be that simple because to them, they may not know the thing that if they just believe that they can have all this magical power. And Pan has set Henry up so much as having the heart of the truest believer. And so it would make sense to them that, oh, hey, look, he can use magic too. That's so awesome. I wish I could use magic, mm-hmm. but I can't. I have a thought about that, actually. I'm thinking maybe um, Emma will rally the Lost Boys to use their neverland magic against pan since adults don't have magic in neverland i think there might be like an uprising or a war or something like that like she'll she'll motivate them maybe i don't know so tell them the truth about pan we've seen all the lost boys put to sleep at least twice (laughs) so i'm not sure they have staying power (laughs) well and regina and emma used magic regina used magic rumple used magic well that's that's magic that they've practiced and cultivated but they're not using Neverland oh, magic. belief magic. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Different than blood magic. <laughs> or hate magic. Or love magic. I wonder what Rumple is experiencing now that he's in the box. I don't know. A burning or- red room. no. <laughs> 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 uh, no. Aurora, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> well, she... <laughs> It's just a good thing that that box never got opened around her. Just kidding. Sorry, Aurora. Uh, I have a thought about maybe the next episode. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that maybe we'll see Henry alive in the next episode. 
and that he'll have traded places with Pan and that the hourglass now measures the amount of life he has left. Oh, that's a cool idea. Or like Henry would become the next Pan? No, no. He would just have taken on the the um, the effect of so the hourglass. He'll be alive, oh, yeah. but he doesn't have much time. Right. So they'll have they'll have like a time limit for how long they can use him. Maybe he can reverse things and I don't know. Yeah, there have been many stories that have been something like that where the the consequences or the death, the aging was passed on to something else and that something else had to suffer from that while the main person didn't. Like even yeah. look at the Dorian Gray story. It was a painting that all the dirtiness and nastiness and aging and everything affected the person in the painting and then at some point it was switched. Yeah. I wonder uh, if we'll see Henry grow old and die. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not in this season. I don't think Henry's... Even if they save him now, if he doesn't smarten up a little bit, he's not going to last very long. Wouldn't that be funny if he aged to Henry's age? So, like, that whole charming family would all be the same age. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That would be ridiculous. That would be hilarious. And ridiculous. Everybody would be the same age. (laughs) But as Henry then has this crisis point, giving his heart to Pan, in the literal sense, not quite a servitude sense, did you notice what Pan did with the box? He just sat it down somewhere. He didn't hide it. He didn't send it away. He didn't destroy it or anything. So I think that what might happen in the next episode is that the Neverland group would go and grab that box and then start trying to figure out how do we get Rumpel out of here? How do they even know Rumpel Silkskin's in the box? They probably assume it since, hey, Rumpel just came here with the box and now he's gone. Hey, there's this little box here. <laughs> Maybe he's still in this. The person that was supposed to go in this box is not in the box. So, yeah. Yeah, I would think that, that would lead them to believe that Rumpel Stiltskin is in the box. I liked seeing Henry's hand enchanted to be able to do the heart plucking. It reminded me you of Hook's. that? Well, I mean, I liked that that's how they explained <laughs> I'm it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's like Hook's hook being enchanted to be able yeah. to take one heart. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Even if Henry has magic, it would have taken far too long to train him to take a heart. It would have. Most yeah. likely. Like, So here's your glowy hand. <laughs> now, pull out your heart. I'm glad that's so easy, though. Like, people never accidentally pull out an enchanted lung. Or just, like, well, no. I guess your aorta is part of your heart, so I guess you get that, too. You have an enchanted aorta if you pull out your heart. Depends on uh, if you're playing Surgeon Simulator. (laughs) Yes. I was, was anybody else frustrated that they didn't just, when the adults came in to the room, that they didn't just say the whole story? Like... No, actually, he's going to absorb all the magic. I mean, if you give more details, the story holds a lot more water. Yeah, but this was all the urgent situation. And I they know, which is they why clearly you weren't thinking. Blurt everything clear. out. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And then when he says, "Why would they lie?" and Pan says, "That's what adults do," and Henry looks around. He kind of looks right at Emma, and I thought that maybe he was starting to think about cheesy pizza for just a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pizza doesn't lie either. It's like, huh, that's true. Pizza was a lot less of a liar than mom for a second there. <laughs> but he did call Neil dad 
Is that the first time I was trying to jump through previous episodes and I couldn't find it, but is that the first time that he's called Neil dad? I know that he said stuff like my dad, but to his face calling him dad. Uh, well, I don't know. I can't remember. That was cool. I feel like he kind of jumps into the proper roles pretty easily. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. We got a couple pieces of feedback here. One from Nathaniel suggesting, as we mentioned earlier, that maybe Henry's heart will turn Henry into Peter Pan, the one that we know and love. And and Hmm. that... I know many people have in the past theorized stuff like, is Henry Peter Pan or is Bay Peter Pan? And I was always against the Bay as Peter Pan theories. And you know that I would even place coffee bets on that. <laughs> and thankfully, I didn't lose that badly because I could have coffee with cream and sugar in it. Well, that was an old season two bet. <laughs> but here's also a suggestion from Abby about maybe Regina's role in this. Abby said, I can't believe that Henry gave up his heart. Anyway, I think that Regina is going to be instrumental in saving Henry. She ultimately is the only one who can save Henry because she is the only one in the group who can take hearts. Besides Rumple, But he's trapped. I don't want this to happen because I like Regina, but I think she is going to end up sacrificing herself or at least getting very injured or something to save Henry. Also, I think that Bay or Neil will have to face his daddy issues in order to save his father from Pandora's box. I don't think getting Rumpel out will be easy and will take some cooperation from Bay. I really want to see the end of the trouble between Bay and his father. Hmm. Thank you, Abby, for that feedback. Yeah, we've talked about in the past of what would Regina's redemption really be. And there have been those couple times where she has essentially sacrificed her life. It's just the sacrifice didn't end up taking her life. And those could have been and should have been redemption moments for her, but they were glossed over or they were misunderstood. All of these things that happened in season two. And maybe this will still be her ultimate redemption. Maybe she will die for Henry (laughs) and Hook will die for Emma and Neil to be together. And Pan will die for... <laughs> everybody dies. Just everybody. In the end, yeah. Speaking of people dying, what do you suppose would happen if Emma were to take her own heart out and give it to Henry? Oh, whoa. Then she wouldn't have a heart. She would need somebody to pass her a heart, and then that person wouldn't have a heart. And they would just see everybody giving hearts away. And they would have to find somebody who doesn't actually need their heart. And when the music stops, whoever doesn't have a heart yeah. dies. Musical hearts. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they can, like, buddy breathe on her heart. Maybe she'd still be alive, and he'd be alive, but they'd both be sort of alive. I don't know. Just a thought. I don't think that they're going to bring the candle back to, into this, no. because they did mention it, but it wasn't the kind of mention, like, They burned that candle at both ends. I think it's done. <laughs> yeah, right. But... We would love to hear your feedback on this episode. And the best place to do that now, since we're finished talking about this episode in the podcast, is to go over to our forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums, 
or comment on the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 123. And we'd love to have your thoughts on the information that we shared here, and especially in the forums where you can continue the conversation about this episode and so many past episodes as well. If you didn't hear our uh, initial reactions, which I'm going to start calling initial review episode, then thank you so much for voting for us in the podcast awards. Thank you for nominating us in the podcast awards. The voting is now closed. And we won't know who won. We won't even know who's in the lead or what categories are close or anything about the podcast award counting until the award ceremony, which will be on January 5th, 2014. That's a Sunday, and it will be hosted live at New Media Expo. I'll be there, but you can watch the award ceremony on the internet at podcastawards.com. It'll probably be, I'm guessing, 9 or 10 o'clock Eastern time over there, but they'll publish the time as it gets closer. But thank you so much for voting for us and nominating us. And if we win the award, it's because of what you did, not because of us. It's because of how awesome you guys are. And so we really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't already, we would love to get an iTunes review from you. I know many of you have left reviews, and thank you so much for doing that. And if you haven't left a review yet, then please go over to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes, and we'd really appreciate the review as it encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast. Something I wanted to mention that we, I don't believe, noticed a couple of weeks ago with the episode Ariel, which was the sixth episode of the season, that was the 50th episode of Once Upon a Time. Oh, wow. Awesome. Which makes it even cooler that they managed with that episode. Well, I was going to say to get everybody in it. That was the episode when we saw Storybrooke, right? Ariel? No. Yeah, no we didn't see Storybrooke oh, until They didn't get Arcala. the whole cast in the 50th episode. Sheesh. Maybe anyway. they will in the 100th episode. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that was the 50th episode. So what a good intro episode for ariel and congratulations to the cast and crew awesome hey and speaking of congratulations uh one of the reasons we theorized in the past that maybe snow and charming would be having a baby well turns out in real life jenny and josh are having a baby so it's i i joked on twitter uh, (laughs) is this because of what they said in once upon a time that now you need to have a baby or (laughs) did they write this into once upon a time because you're going to have a baby (laughs) that would be way too method acting be like um hmm, my character is gonna be pregnant i definitely need to be pregnant that would be too much so i'm gonna guess that that's why they wrote it into the show hey colin we need you to get hit by a car in one of these episodes of once upon a time so could you go break your leg please that way it'll make it seem really real (laughs) i was like where are you going with this it was actually the other way around if if you didn't know colin o'donohue did break his leg oh i forgot about that that's part of why they had the whole car incident where he got hit with the car is to explain how he was why he was limping around is i think i knew that at the time i'd forgotten he healed quickly, apparently. Well, quickly, as far as we're concerned, I'm sure it didn't feel quick to him. Yeah, and actually, he was limping around for quite a little while. But it just seems natural for a pirate to limp. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, speaking of future events, here's a theory of what might be coming in the future. And this came in from Madeline, and it ties into what we know of this episode so far. And Madeline said, was it really Pan? Who procured Henry for Regina instead of gold? 
We've been scratching our heads how Rumpel procured him for her without knowing who Henry was biologically. I'm starting to wonder if Pan had something to do with it. Hmm. That's good. Imagine that. I, I couldn't see that happening, though, because of Henry having the heart of the truest believer. Would Pan have been able to detect that? Well, I think he would have just taken Henry. Right. As a baby. Yeah. A baby thief. A baby thief. He could have raised Henry to do this. Unless... And not cut it so close. <laughs> unless it all, was all part of Pan's plan to try and manipulate situations in Storybrooke to try and make certain things happen by putting Henry in there. Maybe. And Pan could be then the only other person other than maybe August who knew who Henry actually was and who Emma actually was and manipulated the situation to make that happen. But time will or tell. Or somebody manipulating pan maybe the dragon (laughs) maybe now that pan is so powerful maybe now we're about to see him set in history some things in motion that we've already seen before he is taken down as i'm confident he will be oh so you're saying like maybe we'll get some flashbacks and see how he's influenced things yeah sort of maybe i don't know about flashbacks but maybe we'll see him present day Go start some of the things. Oh. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Just whether he actually goes and does it or he can somehow just wish it or believe it or whatever. And have it affect history. Just sort of spread throughout. Um, maybe that's a way that I think as a Doctor Who fan. Hmm. <laughs> For Doctor Who fans, I'll just say Bad Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be cool, maybe, to see something like that. And time will tell where this goes. But we'd love your feedback on the next episodes of Once Upon a Time as they air. And the way that you can send us that feedback is email feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. And when you email us, please put in the subject line the title of the episode that you're emailing about, and that'll help us categorize it very well. And big thanks to Slurpees108 for helping us sort our feedback email and categorize these things and put them in our notes for us. It makes our job so much easier. So if you see Slurpees108, buy a Slurpee for her. (laughs) as thanks or just thank her for what she does or give her a hug everybody (laughs) likes hugs right everybody does everybody likes hugs everybody loves hugs except the guy hates hugs (laughs) but you're gonna need a hug because this sunday there is no once upon a time november 24th they will be taking a break but it will be back on december 1st so there's just a one week break and it's because of some certain like music awards or something like i know the anime thing but So there won't be an episode on. We're going to take a break. There won't be an episode during Thanksgiving week, but we will still be doing our full discussion of the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland episode that will air in actually 24 hours from or 23 hours from when we're talking right now. (laughs) So we'd love to get your feedback on that. And we'll be back then for Once Podcast live on December 1st at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's GMT minus five over at oncepodcast.com slash live for our initial review of the episode. And you can hang out with us in the chat room if you watch the show in Eastern or Central Time as well during the airing at 8 p.m. Eastern 
slash seven central. Last announcement. Please remember to vote and support Once Upon a Time in the People's Choice Awards at peopleschoice.com. You're probably already familiar with how to do it. There are several different ways that you can vote. It's not just a matter of going to the website and voting that way, but there are things like you can tweet things, you can share things, send certain things. So there are lots of ways that you can vote. Check them all out at peopleschoice.com. And please let us know what you thought of the theories that we shared in this, the feedback that people sent in and more by commenting on the show notes. And you can see any screenshots that we referenced at oncepodcast.com slash 23. You can follow each of us on Twitter at oncepodcast, or I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter as The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can find me on Twitter as Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny And until next time, remember to leave a shilling for a pint. Otherwise, how rude. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
taken from very far away by Van City Filming. It shows what looks like a fisherman and a girl kissing. Could Ariel have found Prince Eric with the help of Belle? HollywoodLife.com posted an interview with Rosa McIver, or as we know her, Tinkerbell. When asked, any chance we'll see Tinkerbell or a version of her in Storybrooke? She answered, well, I would say that in the next couple of episodes, there are some pretty big changes of scene that might answer that question. Okay, so I'm going to guess yes, and she's working on getting her wings back and the blue fairies in Storybrooke, so one can only assume that she will be headed back on the Jolly Roger. Episode 12 now has a title. This will be the last episode of this arc. New York City Serenade will air on December 15th. Some set photos of service, and I believe they are for this episode. They show Emma, Henry, and Hook, not all together, outside a New York City police station. Congratulations are needed for Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas. Jennifer is pregnant. Wonder if they'll write this into the show. That's all I have for you today. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time, Wensers. (laughs) 